History Pod. I'm Angela Vance. And I'm John. And this week, John, we've been clever, haven't we? Because we're doing historical, but also a little bit topical. It's what we do, ladies um, and gentlemen. It's what we do. It's serious. It's funny. It's seriously funny. It is. Well, it's, yeah, <laughs> depending on your mood. Um, no, we're not doing the Black Death again. That's It's not that top, sort of topical. But we are, we're going to look at the anti-vaccination movements of the 19th century. Um, which uh, people don't really think anti-vaxxers feel like such a modern concept, but it was actually much more significant and popular than you might think, wasn't it, going back? I was sort of uh, sniffing around. I came out of, uh, I read an article in the London Review of Books, Angela, as one. Oh, John, you're so intelligent. And there's not many pictures in it at all, you know, or puzzles, (laughs) very little celebrity gossip. Um, No crosswords, what? Um, but uh, it turns out there was a sort of massive anti-vax movement in the 19th century. And most of our listeners probably think, well, like me, not be that sympathetic mm. to anti-vaxxers. You'd think of Piers Corbyn singing <sighs> about wearing a mask, being being like keeping a fart in your trousers. That's satire, Angela. Did you yeah. see that video on that tube? There's something for you to aspire to if you're a satirist. It was one of the most embarrassing things I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> but anyway, in Victorian yeah. England... I, having read a book about it, I think it was perhaps a lot more complex. Sorry, John, just stop. Let me stop you. Did you just call me an aspiring satirist? An aspiring satirist. <laughs> I'm saying oh, aspiring. No, only aspiring to be as funny <laughs> One as... One day I might get to do my job. No, to be as good as Piers Corbyn is what I'm saying. Oh, I see what you mean. That's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. To be up at that <laughs> and, level. And I like your slip there when you called him Piers Morgan. Piers Morgan, Piers Corbyn. <laughs> who'd have thought, same, that, same who'd have thought there could be a worse Piers? <laughs> Um, yes, yeah, so no, I, I expect came to the subject expecting to be uh, really hostile to the anti-vaxxers, but mm. it's very imbued with class issues and uh, dangerous conditions of the vaccine centres in which babies mm. were exposed to all sorts of other diseases. So I did, I sort of gained an understanding about why this was um, uh, such an emotive issue because we're talking about mm. compulsory vaccination, not voluntary, not like we have, but yeah. it was the law. Yeah. Well, this is sort of relevant at the moment, isn't it? Because of the, I mean, certainly for frontline NHS workers, yeah. the compulsory vaccination. So it's relevant to, to a portion of society. It is. Yeah. Yeah. And also we have sort of like you might lose your job in the health service if you don't have the vaccination or something. But it's not like yeah. there's not people going around saying your baby hasn't been vaccinated. You know, your baby's and snatching babies. No, yeah. no. Yeah. No. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, of course. So um, and, and lots of people that we'd usually identify with that you Millicent Fawcett who was the leader of the suffragists yes um we did a podcast about that yes um and, and sort of early feminists yeah um, leading socialists and trade unions and that they didn't trust the government on this issue I got a good quote here from Millicent mm. Fawcett I would rather see England pockmarked than without the personal independence which is the basis of everything worth having in our national character so you know she was um fairly um militant about this like so many mm. other uh, campaigners against the idea that babies had to be uh, uh, given cowpox, which is what we're talking mm. about. Um, the book I read uh, on this was Bodily Matters, the Anti-Vaccination Movement in England, 1853 to 1907, by Nadia Durbach. And I also uh, briefly Googled the current anti-vax movement. Then I went down some YouTube rabbit holes and now I'm convinced QAnon conspiracy theories are true and I believe the government have the head of lizards, Angela. Well, that would explain the T-shirt you're wearing, John. I mean, thank goodness this is an audio media because we would be cancelled. If I was there, Um, Angela, I'd take your (laughs) phony human head off and expose the lizard conspiracy. (laughs) So... These Vic- 
Victorian anti-vaxxers. Yeah. Obviously, they're not fighting COVID vaccines. Mm-hmm. Um, we're talking about smallpox. Yes. And smallpox was a obviously a terrible disease um, and something that we don't have to worry about these days. Thank God. Thank you, science. Indeed. Thank you, vaccinations. Yes. Um, but it did kill 300 million people in the t- just in the 20th century. And, yeah, it's um, amazing, you know, isn't it? Th- yeah. And its eradication is pretty recent, Absolutely. really. It yeah, killed yeah. Louis XV of France, Peter II of Russia. And the people that survived it included Elizabeth I survived it, George Washington, Abraham Lincoln... Joseph Stalin. Oh. Um, sorry, my dog's going mental in the background. I don't Just you said Stalin. Know. Every time you say Stalin, the dog's going, Stalin. Rrr, 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 rrr. <laughs> <laughs> massive Trotskyist, your dog. <laughs> Trotsky Tina, that's what they call her. Um, yeah, Stalin had his but, photos retouched, didn't he? Yeah, because he's pockmarked. Yeah, yeah. Smallpox scars. Um, and Elizabeth, Queen Elizabeth, covered her face with all that lead-based makeup, which um, probably killed her. Oh, well. so, but, you um, look, but you look lovely. <laughs> But she looked very nice and didn't yes. have those horrible, unsightly scars. <laughs> yes. So in 1796, I think many people will know this already, an English doctor named Edward Jenner uh, discovered or noticed that immunity could be produced by cowpox. It was already known that milkmaids rarely got smallpox. And I read somewhere that sort of there'd been a sort of uh, folk medicine going on for quite a lot of time of people having cowpox or trying to get cowpox to avoid smallpox. But anyway, he was the one who was posh and a bloke and sort of... Uh, started to do experiments with this and he diagnosed sarah nelms a milkmaid and blossom the cow Aww. Uh, oh thanks blossom so he thought i'm going to try this out so he said oi gardener's son he got his gardener's son gave him cowpox <laughs> and uh and so just not no, no, you know not gonna do it on any uh volunteers any or... people in, in his family or any well, yeah well to be fair the gardener's son that's they're dispensable right <laughs> gardener's son didn't die so then jenna oh, then jenna did do it on his own son uh, oh, well, okay, right. So, well, that's yeah. all right. As long as, you, as, long as the gardener's son's all right. Then, uh, all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When I was about three, my brother was six and a strange man offered us sweets. And he said to the man, oh, give my brother one. And if he's all right, I'll have one. <laughs> 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 so it's like I, I mean, didn't drop down dead. in a way. Yeah. <laughs> that's classic, Pat, that is. Oh, dear. <laughs> Yes, as I was saying, um, uh, uh, Jenna wasn't the first. Um, inoculation predates him, which is different to vaccination. The inoculation was where people were infected with the milder strain of smallpox, variola minor, not the lethal strain, variola major. Uh, but clue's the, in the name, eh? It's all it's, the clue is in the name. And the great thing <laughs> about the cowpox option is you didn't have to spread smallpox at all, and it was much less dangerous. Mm. And I think there's, I mean, obviously, there's so much misinformation about yeah, vaccines absolutely. at the moment. And then but... as well people sort of have a fundamental misunderstanding of what a vaccine is, you know, and they talk about, oh, we could put these chemicals in them. And the fact that they're deactivated viruses or, you know, there's yeah. different types now. You've got the new mRNA or whatever. But, um, yeah, essentially, it's give your body a little bit of something. Yeah. So it has an immune reaction. And vaca, vaxa, Latin for cow. See? Yeah, that's See clever, isn't it? That's clever. So isn't vaccination. Vaccination. Comes from cow, but cowpox. So people, I imagine Angela, were very uh, relaxed about this and didn't um, didn't panic. Or... Oh, yeah, fine. Give it to me, they said. No, of course they're worried about side effects. And, and there, there's um, a print by Gilray. That's right. That shows these mad, chaotic scenes of patients 
uh, you know, developing these cow-like tumours yes, and yes. whores and giving birth to calves. Yes, they've got udders udder, so, coming out on their arms and stuff. It's hilarious, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So I think it's fair to say disinformation about vaccines, not a new thing, John. No, no, no. Um, there was this fear that introducing animal spirits to human blood, you know, was, was a thing. And people might even, might even release the beast within the human um, because yeah. blood was very important uh, in terms of Victorian understanding of um, health. Before mm-hmm. germ theory had really got going, people thought a balance in the blood was the sense, you know, the, the essence of good health. And also the essence of being a human being, like that, uh, of, you know, that somehow in your blood is your personality your, is almost yes, contained. And your your honour, your everything, your Britishness, yes, everything is yes. contained in your blood, yes, isn't it? I know, it's ridiculous. So, but yeah. anyway, this was a very exciting development that this terrible disease uh, could be. Uh, prevented and so in the educated classes and in government circles the development was widely welcomed and within a few decades the vaccination act of 1840 provided optional vaccination free of charge so you could go down to the tent on clapham common and get your um get your kid jabbed in the arm little little Ooh. dose of cowpox a week later there'll be some horrible pustule coming up um <laughs> but at least they but would die is... of smallpox yeah yeah and this is important as well because this is you know, a long time before the NHS. I think we yeah. forget sometimes that free medical care wasn't available. Yeah, yeah, exactly. To people. Yeah, yeah. So to get, you know, the fact it was free of charge is a big thing. And so it all sounds positive, right? You it, can protect your child from smallpox. It's free. What's not to what's like, not to like yeah. John? Um, except lots of people didn't want to do it. Take up wasn't good. Wasn't Yeah, no, it wasn't good because people were worried about their babies. The idea of giving this, in a newborn baby, this uh, unnatural uh, thing in its arm. Uh, they wanted to take their chances. Variolation was now illegal. That's giving people smallpox minor became illegal. Yeah. Um, so uh, 13 years later, they made um, vaccination compulsory. And this was a massive change. Right. And this was a big mm-hmm. deal, really, for the relationship between the state and the individual. So it said that every child whose health permits shall be vaccinated within three or in case of orphanage within four months of birth by the public vaccinator of the district or by some other medical practitioner. To be fair, no one knew what a medical practitioner was yet. It wasn't really established. Snake oil salesman. Quacks, charlatans, anyone calling themselves doctor because that wasn't very well established at that point. And there are loads of reasons why parents didn't want to do this. Uh, First Mm. first of all, they just didn't trust the government. And back then, they had a lot more reason to do so. Yeah, I mean, the the government allowed them no say over their own lives, did they? No. People, you know, people were disenfranchised. Most people couldn't vote. Um, you know, certainly not if you were a woman. If you were a man who didn't own property, you yes. couldn't vote. I think people forget that sometimes. Yeah. Um, the Chartists, <clears throat> excuse me, have been campaigning for this, but they've been ignored or even worse, harassed and attacked. Yeah. And there was suspicion, mistrust between the rulers and the rules. Absolutely, um, yeah. And more so than today, with good reason. Obviously, that gap was some very different and now we've got the nhs back then ordinary people didn't interact with doctors you couldn't afford doctors you, yeah. they were they were from the upper class and really for the upper class it was a whole alien tier of society if you had an ailment as a working class person you go to your local woman yeah. who's got the remedies or to your you know the yeah. family things that have been passed down or yeah. to your mum or yeah. to yeah. you know yeah so to have these um, posh blokes turning up and saying give me your pure newborn baby i'm going to inject some cowpox into his arm and you yeah. can see why mums and dads might be a little bit unsure. Yeah, because, I mean, we now, you know, it's, it sort of went completely the other way, didn't it? Where yeah. for a certain period of time after the NHS, certainly my grandparents' generation would never question a doctor. Yeah. Um, you know, would to, to the point where actually they handed themselves wholesale over to what one doctor would suggest. So, yeah, the trust, but this was, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah this yeah. was completely. Um, yeah, I mean the other thing. The, the other thing I'll say actually about all this is that you've got this doctor saying, or the like, the, the vaccinator saying, "Give me mm. your baby to inject, inject." But these vaccination stations were dirty, unhygienic places. They mm. they used pubs and inns and sort of a church, you know, church halls or whatever. Or, or just, Having said that, John, I read about a place in America where they're doing the COVID vaccine in strip clubs. So, you know. <laughs> oh God! I just oh, genuinely true. Is it really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's one way of getting the blokes the truckers in, I suppose. <laughs> well, you could give a, Presumably they use Pfizer because you could get a two for one, couldn't you? In the, yeah, anyway. So imagine, you know, you go to some grubby old pub where loads of old scruffy old blokes have been drinking and you're supposed to get your baby vaccinated. The, the equipment was dirty and unwashed between patients. So you watch the needle being used on some, you know, pauper covered in dirt and then your baby was next in line. And you'd understandably be a bit worried about your baby getting whatever they're getting. They didn't know about germs, but they knew that dirt yeah. wasn't healthy. Um, yeah. And one of the rumours was that, uh, this was quite a strong rumour actually, that syphilis was uh, contracted through these vaccinations. Well, I mean, John, right, <laughs> we, we know now yes. that syphilis would be passed on. If a baby's got syphilis, that's come from the parents. Yes, yes. So, you know, it does sound like a rumour that might have been started by a dad whose baby has syphilis, you know, oh, yeah. I don't know how that happened. It must be the vaccination. Exactly. Oh, maybe oh definitely not be... been sleeping with women of the night. No. Exactly. It's, a, it's the accent. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know where that's my, That's my uh, dodgy, dodgy uh, husband uh, guilty accent. man accent. <laughs> oh, I don't know what you mean. Um, oh. um, yes. So how, how did this... It's all very well to make something compulsory, but yeah. how do you enforce that? How did this compulsion well, well, this, it fell to work? The, it fell to the poor law guardians who compared the birth records with vaccination records and then pursued those that had not been vaccinated within three months. This was very much something that was imposed you know, from the top down. It was uh, a fear of the dirty working classes, giving the upper classes smallpox. So they thought we're going to get them all, make them all be vaccinated. So right. they kept records and parents would end up in court if they hadn't followed the law. If they were guilty, it was a fine of 20 shillings, um, also known as a pound, but it was the olden day, so they had to make it sound oh, more old I'm glad you explained that, John, because I don't, you know, I'm too young to, to get I just that. think the fact they said 20 shillings is funny. It's like, <laughs> yeah. just say it's a quid. Oh, yeah. It's a quid. That is like, yeah, it's like saying 100 pence, isn't it? 100 pennies. 100 pennies. <laughs> yeah, make it sound more old-fashioned. A guinea. A guinea, and, a guinea sixpence and a farthing. <laughs> But that, you know, that was quite a lot of money back then. It was about an average week's wage for a working man. Yeah, yeah. Now, look, John, I know I always bring this up. Yeah. But it is fair to say there's there's a class issue going on here, right? You are right, Angela. You're not yeah. chippy. You're not chippy. <laughs> <laughs> um, no. I mean, I am. I, I mean, but... Yeah, no, there's, I mean, it was a class issue. And although the, uh, the campaigning against well, compulsory vaccinations uh, was led by the upper classes and upper middle classes, the vast majority of the people objecting were sort of uh, upper working class, really. Mm. Uh, artisans, bakers, shopkeepers, skilled labourers. People with not a lot of agency, but just enough to say no. And there was yeah. this weird sense that it was an affront to freeborn Englishmen. Uh, one of the quotes I read was, people said, we don't live in Austria, <laughs> which is like not a thing you hear anymore, is it? They're now, it's not. No, no. no, no we've got a different sort of yeah. go-to. Yeah. Um, yeah, they didn't say it's like Hitler's Germany. It, it was more, it was Franz Josef's Austria. Go to Franz Josef's <laughs> Austria, if that's what you want. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's apparently the, uh, the, the in, in the Austro-Hungarian Empire, the government told you how many chickens you could own or whatever. 
Um, right. The French never enforced compulsory vaccination, but people compared it to France as well. It's like because it was a sort of authoritarian state. Um, and, Brits, and of course, Brits, we're at a time where being like France is the worst thing imaginable. Well, right? yeah, so, I mean, we talked that, about that in our great exhibition. You say that as if it's in the past episode. tense, Angela. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, John's <laughs> strong anti-France views coming out today. I've still not recovered from my French exchanges. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have French relations. I've still... Um, <laughs> some of my best friends some of my, some of my some of my nephew and nieces are friends <laughs> um, so um yes no so there was a strong sense that this law was un-english it was totalitarian and they had posters of john ball tied down by vaccinators and they you know the english back then defined themselves by their sense of liberty i mean this was a very english problem wales lagged behind england uh in their uh, efforts to uh, mobilize support and in scotland and ireland there were similar laws but they just never really enforced particularly the same so um yeah it's interesting isn't it because that's obviously what a lot of the arguments are about today is about personal liberty yeah and uh, i think it's interesting that it's these upper middle classes that are particularly vehement about that because as much as there was any social mobility at the time they're the ones that have, you know, are the self-made men, right? You're, yeah. You're artisan. You're, yeah. You're, and so that sense of liberty and freedom, I've worked hard to, I mean, you know, that sense of individualism, you can see why that is a population where that is really strong. Yes. They've pulled themselves up by their bootstraps. They've, they've got this freedom that they've earned, you know, um, and why that, it might be that particular group of people that are Absolutely. particularly feel that way. I've got a song here that they, they would sing. Men of England, right. claim your freedom, make a noble stand, sweep the unjust law of tyrants from your native land, strike the blow to vaccination, claim your liberty, sound the echo through the nation, Britain shall be free. Well, it's more catchy than there's a fart in your trousers or whatever it was, I think. It's, it's gone. It's, it's things have gone backwards since then, Angela. <laughs> Corbyn yeah, could take some notes from this. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah. Oh dear. So yeah. yeah. So there's this feeling, is it? This Englishman's home is his castle. So the state has no domain there. So you know, to have somebody come into your home yeah. and force this upon you was totally unthinkable. Yeah. And and also impinged on you know you've got you were a period of time when a father is the head of the home. Yeah. And this to have somebody come into his house and tell him what to do is impinging on his sense of masculinity, right? Yes. That the state could tell him what to do with his child. And, and for a mother to be told that some local government knows better than she does what her child needs, you know, and had the child's interests at heart more than she did. This is a source of indignation. Because we were at a time when your child was your property, right? You, yeah. No, you yeah. got to say what happened to your child's body, no one else. Yes, and never before had the state been so intimately involved with the family or children. This was mm. before the beginning of compulsory education in 1870. And actually, some of the anti-vaccination people oppose that on the same principle. It's like, you don't yeah. tell us what to do. I've got another quote. Yeah, here. we'll condition our child how we want to. Thank you very much. I'm reading all these bits, poems now. An Englishman's house is his <laughs> castle, no more, for foul persecution lays siege to his door. This is great stuff. I'm going to... <laughs> that's enough of that I wouldn't open with no, it I wouldn't but, no, yeah. no I just like reading out the quotes from the, from the book but, but I mean but perhaps most fundamental this whole issue is the notion of personal choice and whose baby was it like you were saying so parents felt yeah. their passion it was their infant the state had no business telling them what they you know should and shouldn't do with their baby yeah exactly and and the state 
was yet to make these massive inroads into everyday life that happened in the 20th century, so yeah. post-World War II. Yeah. The state was saying smallpox affects everyone. So you do this for the state of society, which, of course, is the argument that, that one of the arguments for anti this sort of personal liberty thing. Yes. What I find really fascinating uh, with what's happening at the moment is there's that sort of crossover between people who are against vaccination. Yes. But th- a lot of them are also the same people who are kind of pro- the troops, right? Pro, right. Uh, Brit- our like boy, that, our that boys whole, in Iraq or whatever, yeah. Our boys in Iraq, that whole, yeah. you know, Churchillian World War Two sentiment. A lot, there's a lot of the same people. You're like, well, hang on a minute. Yeah. You feel like your duty to your country is to send young lads off to their certain death, and that's fine. But you won't have a jab for the sake of your country. Yeah, no. You know, yeah, no. it shouldn't. It's about the good of society as a whole, right? You do your bit. And, and good of England. So these, yeah, reframe the it as patriotism, it. and it might be a better way yeah. of doing it. Yeah, and I, that's what I find really fascinating. These people would call themselves patriots. They would call themselves defenders of Britishness. Yeah. So do what's best for the your Brit- country. For you know, yeah. I think that's a way. And that... if you're, it, I think a lot of it, it comes from fear, right? They're frightened, but they don't want to say they're frightened because that's weak. So they, right. they that's they where these other anti-vaxxers, I think, can get in yeah. with their, you know, here's some reasons why you don't have it that make you look better, like liberty and personal freedom and all of that. And it's yeah, just yeah. bollocks. And because I, I think if, I do think with the, the sort of programme we've got at the minute, one of, the, because it had to be done quickly, obviously. Yeah. I think one of the things that hasn't been addressed is this fear, right? Now, when I was nursing, of course, I a lot of people have a phobia of needles. Forget yeah. whatever's in it. Yeah, <laughs> they, yeah. They just, just yeah. are very scared of needles, right? And because of the way it's been done, you know, you make your appointment, you've got your five minutes to go in and get it. There hasn't been any. No, that's never been discussed, never been mentioned, never been that you know to say to people, look, if you're frightened here's a special place you can come where you'll be more supported or here's some information about that phobia to help you with that. And I think what's actually happened, those people who probably in their core just have a needle phobia, it's much easier for them to go, I'll look at all the reasons not to have it. Right, and, and jump on that bandwagon. And get on, jump on them because yeah, then I don't have to confront this phobia. That's interesting. And I think, you know, I wonder how many anti-vaxxers it's actually a phobia that's stopping them rather Maybe. than, I think, I think uh, you know, any sort of actual being affronted by you know i think there's also a direct line from this victorian campaign to today which is a Mm. fundamental distrust of government and a presumption Mm. that they're lying to you and that there's a conspiracy and and my my, the government aren't doing much to (laughs) know i mean the other thing i'd say is that back then you know it was so badly enforced and crassly sort of uh imposed on people and their babies did catch illnesses that, that i have a bit more sympathy for the victorian opponents than i do for the uh the bloody um julia hartley brewers or whoever sort of moaning about masks or whatever yeah well also what they didn't have was access to information or to yeah science and professionals which we do have yeah you know you yeah. do have access to the information no, they didn't we... i mean that's worth saying they didn't know why this worked they didn't know yeah. that cowpox was a they didn't know what the germ was called they didn't know what the mm. smallpox germ was called they didn't know that there were such things as germs early on in the uh, victorian times it came later in the century that they started to identify bacteria and viruses yeah but i mean fundamentally this is the first battleground of this issue between i get to choose what's best for my family versus the state insists on certain minimum requirements for all of us and this Mm. is the first time british state got intimately involved in bodily matters like never before and then you know they brought this act in in 1853 but for about 10 years they didn't really enforce it and then when they did start to enforce it that's when things really got heated 
big campaigning organisations started to get launched and it became a national uh, issue up there with the Chartists and the uh, Anti-Corn Law League. But it's just one we don't hear about so much. Oh, right, should we take a little break here? We might John? be a good time for a quick cup of tea. Smear, yeah, a gonna... smear of cowpox pus. Mm, nom, nom, nom. <laughs> Welcome back. Um, I hope you enjoyed those adverts. Don't know what they were for. Hope it's something we can endorse. If it wasn't, sorry. So, should be said, John, smallpox wasn't the biggest killer in the mid-19th century. Okay. It, you know, it, it trailed behind measles, scarlet fever, whooping cough. Uh, I never had my whooping cough vaccine. Did you not? No, and got whooping cough. Oh, God, I still I'm have annoying. problems this day. I wasn't allowed it because I was premature. I was quite... Very premature. So they wouldn't let me have the whooping cough vaccine. And I got whooping cough. Um, And to this day, I I have sort of... Wow. uh, And I got it again. Fun fact. I got whooping cough again in 2017. Oh, yeah. And um, when I did my first Live at the Apollo, I had whooping cough. My God. If you watch that episode of Live at the Apollo, I did... My voice is just ragged. And people were going, oh, your voice sounds terrible. Oh, her voice is horrible. It's like, I had fucking whooping cough oh give me a break like brexit was bad. brexit trump and then you got a whooping cough a whooping cough i know it was not a good year yeah all these things were big yeah. causes of, of death yeah yeah time. yeah and the thing was smallpox was preventable uh yeah and it was still killing hundreds of thousands of people and leaving loads of others blind or horrifically pockmarked so yeah. and we talked about this before but until the first world war most medical care happened in the home. Yes, Maternal re- remedies, you know, advice from your midwife to yeah. help with, you know, any ailments your baby had or whatever. So the working classes had this mutual support system. They didn't have the money or trust really? to go to these upper class doctors. Yeah, they weren't yeah. and, and in was... the same world. They weren't operating in the same world. Yeah, people had a belief that doctors actually welcomed vaccination because it produced sickier popula- population and made babies sick. And that would be more money for them. This is what people were yeah, saying. Yeah, see, that's, you, you know... I mean, uh, yeah, we're not going to bang on about the NHS here, but you do get, you know, when you've got free medicine, paying for healthcare, yeah, you well, got it does make you question, yeah, you know, motives. Look in America, you know, I couldn't believe it when I first went to America and just saw adverts in magazines for yeah, antidepressants. You know, yeah, it's depressing, Imagine. isn't it? It's really, really depressing. Depressing. I had to buy some yeah, antidepressants. Exactly. <laughs> also, there's a belief in alternative medicine back then. Yeah, yeah, these anti-vaxxers believed in this. Well, we talked about this before, the purity of the blood and that being spoiled by vaccination. Yeah. Somehow, you know, mixing human blood with animal material. It's unnatural, John. Yeah. So they they, um, they thought you could remain healthy, you know, just keep the body clean, eat wholesome foods and lots of fresh air, which is all fine. There's sort of the, the Novak Djokovic yeah, yeah. <laughs> method of... Yeah. It's so funny, isn't it, that his name is literally Novak. Novaks, I know. It's a bit anyway, too... It's like right, some people it's on Twitter, on the nose, I've got this it? joke. Oh, you nicked my Novaks joke, mate. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody is doing that joke, right? Yeah, I mean, it's too obvious. Yeah. It? We had, obvious. When I was working at Spin Image, we had this bloke come to the door and he said, I've got this just sketch, but I can't give it to you because if I give it to you, you might steal it. And we went, okay. And he's like, well, this is in the middle of Thatcherism and stuff, yeah. And um, we said, well, we can't really give it to you. He goes, well, can I have a guarantee that if you use it, I'll get paid. We went, look, mate, loads of people send us in sketches. We get thousands of sketches. Most of them we don't use. Just tell us your idea. If it's any good, we won't nick it off you. He went, yeah. oh, um, all right. Well, you know, Mrs. Thatcher, that's the real mad cow. It's like, oh, okay, that one. All right. Oh, no. <laughs> my God. Yeah, we've all heard mad cow disease at Mrs. Thatcher. Yeah, we've all, we all did that one at nine in the morning and crossed it off the list to want to do. 
That's the because in those days you couldn't check on Twitter. I know, could you? I know, like now, yeah. first thing I do when you think of a joke yeah, is like no Max Djokovic. Check no time. one's done that already on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, as I was saying, uh, although vaccination was compulsory from 1853, it wasn't seriously enforced until the 1860s, and that's when these anti-vax movements started to get really organised. They sprung up all over the country mostly in urban working class areas, particularly Lancashire factory towns, significant numbers in London. A branch of the Anti-Vaccination League formed at Finsbury in 1866. Then there was the Mothers Anti-Compulsory Vaccination League, the National Anti-Compulsory Vaccination League formed in Cheltenham, the London Society for the Abolition of Compulsory Vaccination. The so, People's Front of it the is, vaccine- It is, it yeah. is, it is. <laughs> so I'm going to read a bit out of this book that I was reading and... Um, uh, one one bloke was like uh, said they've got a national uh, taste for spookism. They're generally in uh, you know fads and fancies are all all around. So this journalist Blanchard Gerald critiqued the anti-vaccinists, saying uh, they're like they belong to the company of the Association for the Total Suppression of White Hats, the Anti Flower in the Buttonhole League, the Society for the Abolition of Green Tea Drinking, the Association <laughs> for the Restriction of Glove Fastenings on One Button and the local Option Snuff Confederation. So it gives you a little window into all people's little quirks and uh, things there, yeah. doesn't it? Um, I, I, I love, yeah, when you read about history, to read the satire at the time, yeah. have a little look at it. It's, it's, yeah, it gives yeah. you a clue, doesn't it? Yeah, the, um, yeah. Um, and there, were regular ma- there was a regular magazine. So you've got all these organisations. There's a regular yeah. magazine, Vaccination Inquiry. I've always, always looked forward to the vaccination inquiry coming through the letterbox. That sounds like something they'd have on Have I Got News For You. <laughs> it is, yes. This week's headlines are from the vaccination inquiry. I used to have to pick those magazines when I worked on that show. It's going to be all sit around. Going, I wouldn't know, John. They won't have me on it. So. <laughs> it's because you're, 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 you're Mark of the Week. You're Star of the Week. <laughs> you have to be one or the other, John. <laughs> that's weird, isn't it? Well, they didn't have me on anymore uh, anyway. I was, that's back in the old days. Um, so trade unions got involved because um, some employers would make vaccination a uh, condition of employment and uh, you know it was it was no minority opinion of um, a certain class of worker I mean there's one guy who went to um, Electra went to Lincoln to address the workers uh, during their breakfast half hour when he spoke on vaccination he polled the men as their opinions only four out of 750 were in favor of the procedure so it shows you wow the, the, how many were against it, it was, it was hugely majority opinion against compulsory vaccination yeah and there's also an affinity with Religious nonconformists, yes. um, your Quakers, your Baptists, your Methodists, your Wesleyans, yep. uh, and Salvation Army. Because compulsory vaccination seemed to to these people like compulsory baptism or circumcision. Yes. Or and, whatever. And, and, and all that in turn meant that these guys were portrayed as cranks and anti-authoritarian. So the leader yeah. of the Social Democratic Federation said he didn't want his party to be a depository of odd cranks like humanitarians, vegetarians, anti-vaccinators... <laughs> arty crafties and all the rest of them <laughs> so, so just looking at that list there angela humanitarians and vegetarians tick, tick. Tick. are you an arty crafty tick. i think i could be called an arty crafty yeah. i think i mean i'm sat here next to my pile of crochet projects so yeah oh, I'm definitely an but you're not an anti-vaxxer so that's the best thing most importantly <laughs> oh dear and of course more importantly they were convinced that vaccination was actually harmful to their children. Yes. And that, and that the government, that, that their um, ideology was to literally kill babies of the poor. Yeah. Uh, there's such a massive distrust of the government. Because let's, you know, 
poor laws or whatever. The 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 relationship between the government and poor wasn't yes. exactly yeah. I mean, it's good with good reason. A good one. Yeah. Um, yeah, so you can totally understand why they distrust the ruling classes. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. you know, because workers were treated with contempt by factory owners, mine owners, the politicians, everyone. Uh, and the law generally at the time always sided with yes, the rich. Yes. So, of course, they were suspicious. Um, yeah. suspicious. Yeah, and there was a massive demonstration in Leicester in 1885 against the compulsory vaccination. They attracted 100,000 protesters and a dummy, poor Edward Jenner, was hanged and then decapitated. <laughs> Uh, and, the, and the campaigners, as I say, uh, as you said, did believe that vaccination killed babies. And it may be possible that infants died from other infections picked up from dirty needles. Child mortality was, of course, very high at this point. So, you you know, people would put two and two together. My kid got vaccinated and then died. Um, but they had a funeral procession in Hackney of this poor dead baby, a huge procession and a banner saying in memory of the thousand children who've been killed this year through vaccination. Um, and this wow. child was carried in an open casket. Um, so, yeah, so uh, these you know people were desperate. Mothers appealed to Queen Victoria, but she was unresponsive. She'd had all her own children vaccinated. Um, so they tried to find ways around it. P parents gave their children alternative pet names so that they were known. They weren't known by the same names as the register of births. So they couldn't be tracked exactly. as easily. Through. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And in Kent, down your way, one that my way. Uh, 1892, some defiant parents called their daughter Annie Anti-Vaccinator Austin. <laughs> so, wow. Wow. What's your middle name? Anti-Vaccinator. All right. Anti-Vaccinator. Yeah. Oh, All right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, dear. Oh, parents, because you'd have these vaccinating officers would come around. Yeah. Parents would hide, right? They'd move house to be at a different dress to the registered birth. Yeah. They'd give false addresses to the registrars because, of course, you didn't have any centralised computer records yeah, of, yeah. of, you know, you just had to rely on people giving correct information about themselves Absolutely. to, and those, to registrar. And those, if you couldn't afford to defy the vaccinating officer, once summoned, you might try to suck the vaccination out of their baby's arms. So in the way that you'd wow. suck out snake venom, you know, so you had mothers. But that just shows, doesn't it? These people, they weren't ideological freak. You know, there's some way you've just got conspiracy theorists yeah. now jumping onto this. These people were genuinely frightened. They were, they were know, terrified. They, they were sucking it out. suck it out of a baby's arm. Spitting it on the steps of the vaccination station. Yeah. Good gosh. Yeah. And uh, yes, and some of these vaccinating officers made illegal rounds, didn't they? Went around grabbing children and vaccinating them without parents' permission. It must have been terrifying. Yeah. yeah. Like the child catcher in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. But, yeah, yeah, but, you exactly. Know, for the parents, jokes aside, yeah. like if you are distrusting of these people and you haven't been given the correct information, and it must have been terrifying to have your baby taken for you and just. Jab. And have this ugly thing come up on their arm, you know, their, uh, yeah. uh, which was an infection. So uh, if parents were convicted, then these societies, the anti-vaccination leagues, would often pay their fines. It works as a sort of working class insurance scheme. You pay in a small amount each year by being a member of these leagues and they pay your fines. And when this didn't happen, and if the fine wasn't paid or couldn't be paid, then the, the authorities were empowered to seize their property, um, wow. which is, uh, which is uh, pretty heavy. Yeah. There was an example in 1887, a guy called uh, Robert King in Leicester and a great crowd gathered around his house when which the police attacked with crowbars and all the crowd were hooting. The door was shattered to pieces and the policeman uh, removed King's furniture, placed it in a van. But um, the crowd followed the property to the auction and pelted the auctioner with stones and eggs. And the auctioner had to take shelter in the police station and two men were apprehended for stone throwing. 
and the police were very wow. roughly handled. And then there was another sale in the afternoon, and they were uh, once again the auctioneer was hooted and pelted with eggs. So it was, it was, it was, it was, you know, it was, it was violent stuff. Yeah, there was another man, a mechanic, Charles Hayward from Ashford. Again, down your way. It, well, it could have been Ashford Middlesex, John. Oh, okay. It doesn't say. Okay. Two, there's more than one Ashford, but yeah, probably Kent, wasn't it? Um, in 1888, he was fined £53, which was about a year's wages for non-vaccination of his two children. Um, although they were being paid by the one of the anti-vaccination leagues, yeah, well, yeah. whichever one. He was up in court so often, he became a bit of a symbolic martyr to the cause. Right. And the magistrates got so fed up with hearing his speech over and over again, they just refused <laughs> to listen to him. And once they just, just walked out of court oh, while he was still that was talking. so boring. <laughs> <laughs> I've done gigs like that. <laughs> I've done gigs with men like that. Yeah, yeah, that way. yeah. yeah. So yeah, eventually they just refused to his case anymore. He got off. Yeah, imagine, imagine, yeah, yeah. yeah. Imagine me so that that's the yeah that, that was his his secret uh, weapon. Yeah. He was a it worked. He was like the uh, I'm so boring. They won't change. He's like the he's like the uh, the energy vampire in things we do in the shadows. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> uh, so um, in 1867, there were half a dozen poor law guardians from Keeley in Yorkshire were imprisoned in York Castle. They had over done their job of overseeing poor law relief, but they refused to enforce the vaccination acts. So a mob surrounded the carriage, taking them away. And it dragged it all the way back to Keeley. Uh, police officers were maltreated. Clothes were ripped from their backs and the police had to let these guys go home. So, wow. so, yeah, so people went to prison, you know, including, uh, inclu you know, members of the Salvation Army were in, doing time. Here, mate, what are you in for? Whoa. He's, in, he's in for refusing vaccination, the Salvation Army. Whoa, still clear of him. He's hardcore. <laughs> Don't let, move yeah. over, Crusher. The Salvation Army blokes <laughs> in charge now. Yeah, and those—I mean, those that did go to prison—they weren't given any special status as conscientious objectors or political prisoners, you know, which were things that were afforded to other political prisoners, like Irish Home Rulers, yeah, yeah. for example. Or um, they were made to do hard labour and sometimes kept in solitary confinement, and sometimes, yeah. um, sometimes that made them relent, yeah. and they did get their children jabbed yeah. because of the pressure they faced yeah, in prison. Because it was—it was a pretty, you know, to be on the treadmill or whatever. So in the 1890s, mm. this stance was finally softened. And it was recognised that these prisoners were otherwise law-abiding citizens and shouldn't be put on the treadmill or made to break rocks or whatever. Yeah. Um, so the, the, the law kept being updated. It, they weren't given in the government. 1867, 1871, 1874, further vaccination acts, consolidating the existing laws, appointing a local vaccination officers. Yeah, yeah, so the government's in no mood to back down over any of this. Yeah. Um, and there were huge numbers on the other side who looked at the science and the data, yeah. John, yeah. and they said... Oh, hang on a minute. We have to stop smallpox and people don't have the right to spread it. Spread it. Yeah. You know, if you are part of a community, yeah. which we all are, you know, you have certain standards you have to keep and certain responsibilities. Yeah. Yeah. And if, you know, if you only worry about the individual. Yeah. Then what happens yeah. to yeah, society, your exactly. society? I agree. But, and your Britain. Well, in England, but the campaigns were not going away. And it wasn't until 1898 that a Royal Commission was established. And it issues six mm -hmm. reports, like bloody commissions do, and it recommended the abolition of cumulative penalties and pursuing uh, safer vaccines. So, right. but in 1898, the principle of the conscientious objection was accepted in principle. Parents had to satisfy two magistrates, which was quite hard. Uh, it was not until 1907, uh, so we're in the Edwardian age, that a new vaccination yeah. act so that parents could escape penalties if dad made a statutory declaration. I can't even say that, made a statutory declaration that he believed vaccination would be prejudicial to the health of the child. So that that basically ended compulsory vaccination. 
Mm. Um, that wasn't legally abolished until 1947, um, towards, wow. towards a broader trend towards optional vaccination. Yeah. So the who, not the pop group, Angela. <laughs> I I love how you've put the who there. So just so you can say, not the pop group, it wasn't Roger Daughtry, but no one calls it the who. Everyone calls it the World Health it's Organization the or the WHO. Literally, nobody's ever called it the who. The who? Oh, what? You mean the pop group, That's Angela? a joke that works. That's a joke that works written down, John, is what you've done there. There's somebody, on Twitter. There's somebody on Twitter. Because every time it says, um, every time it goes, uh, who, who has announced, uh, you know, uh, upping uh, vaccination across the world? Somebody always replies, Shaft. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> who's the guy who won't cop out when there's days all about um, yeah, yeah. yeah but anyway this, that, this thanks for explaining the joke yeah to yeah, yeah it's very good <laughs> it's because it doesn't exactly what's written down your point is completely valid <laughs> so the who had a major campaign to step out the disease around the globe Angela they did <laughs> yeah, they did yeah, the... yeah they were recording an album at the time this joke's going nowhere I'm abandoning this <laughs> Sometimes Johnny just got to let it I'm go. I'm letting it go. It's, it's beautiful written down in your notes. I'll grant you that. It looks great. WHO. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they set about stamping it out. And so the last European outbreak was in Yugoslavia in 1972. Do you know how I know this, Angela? Wow. I remember this. How do you know that, John? We went on holiday to Yugoslavia in 1972. <laughs> My mum was like, oh, these prices have come down. And I was like, yeah, mum, there's a smallpox epidemic there. Oh, it'll be fine, dear. We're never worried about smallpox in the war. <laughs> So, yeah, I remember it. I remember oh my, my mum going, oh, we're not sure if we should go. I mean, it's quite a rare thing to go to Yugoslavia in 1972. But, yeah. but it was cheap. Yes, for a reason, yeah. mum. It's a communist country with smallpox. Yes. <laughs> what yeah. are we doing? Yeah. Oh, dear. Love it. So by 1980, the World Health Organization, I refuse to call it the Health. Oh, um, oh I, they... I see a comic opportunity there. <laughs> they declared the world of the disease which is amazing yeah, it amazing is. achievement thank you scientists thank you vaccinators thank you Blossom the cat ah, Blossom yes yes uh, in March 2004 someone opened a hundred year old medical book in New Mexico USA and found an envelope full of smallpox scabs oh oh my god I hate it when that happens you know even people leave their bookmarks in library books uh, or envelopes with <laughs> smallpox scabs it's inconsiderate isn't it it's just <laughs> yeah what I mean what? Oh, so many questions about that. <laughs> Surely, whatever they, you know, there's nothing dangerous in it, right? That, well, I think what happened was he, long, he, he goes, "I'm going to put my smallpox scabs in this little envelope in this medical book. I'll come back to that later." Oh, I'm not, I'm not feeling very well. <laughs> yeah, oh god, oh, got a bit of itch on my face. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, oh, just have a little lie down. Yeah, oh. but uh, <laughs> so anyway, but so there is this fear that smallpox, you know, is being the smallpox. Um, a virus is kept in labs and stuff in case of a sort of um, biological warfare and stuff like that. Yeah. Where ironically, we're all lost our immunity to smallpox because it's been stamped out. If it did come if back, if it did come back, we'd be fucked. But um, we'd have the, yeah. probably have the same bloody debate all over again. We don't. We've not had yeah. compulsory vaccinations ever since. That's that sort of killed it off. So even in this major um, pandemic, no one is forcing babies to have jabs. Um, no. But we do have the same no. basic debate about, you know, the, the debate between society and the individual. Yeah, there are times, aren't there, when the government or the state will step in. Yeah. For example, uh, like when Jehovah's Witnesses refuse a blood transfusion for their child, um, that child, if the child could die, the state will step in and not let that yeah. happen. Yeah, and my, my um, take on that is quite fucking right too. 
Yes. <laughs> yes. yes, I respect your religious freedom, but no, your child is going to get medical attention. Yeah, so they shut haven't. Up. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Jehovah's Witnesses listening, but you know, um, yeah, the kid doesn't die. Okay. <laughs> the big difference today yeah. is, I would say, this is, this is my two cents, Angela. Uh, Bring it on, John. I'm brave. Is that today people complaining about wearing masks are not oppressed? Okay. Even though <laughs> they like to fucking pretend they are. Julia Hartley Brewer, shut up. There's a tweet from a black woman laughing at all the white dudes thinking they have to wear a mask. They know what oppression is. It's like, it's... just try fucking being a black woman in the southern United States in the 1960s yeah. and tell me Which... what oppression is, you know. Exactly. Um, you know, and, and this whole idea that it's a constraint of your freedom yeah, or whatever yeah. to wear a mask to protect uh, it's so so flawed that argument yeah. in so many ways and it's just attention seeking fucking people <laughs> in the media and uh, yes. jumping on a bandwagon you know when they start comparing themselves to holocaust oh, God, victims that's what it's really tasteful disgusting yeah, yeah. I know it's such an insult to people, who, uh, it, it people is... who've lost their grandparents. Loads of people in this country lost their grandparents in the Holocaust. Don't talk about wearing masks in the same bloody breath. It's absurd. It's no, it's, it's completely offensive. So, you know, to those listeners who out there today not getting your COVID vaccination, facts are you're 14 times more likely to die of COVID-related illness than people who've had their jabs. Yeah. Now, you know, the argument you keep seeing coming up is, well, well, I, I know someone who's had three jabs, they still got COVID. It's, yeah, 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 no vaccination has ever been 100% yeah. successful. But all the data shows, all the numbers shows that, yes, you'll still get COVID, yeah. you won't die of it, yeah. or you're much less likely to unless you've got underlying health conditions, blah, blah, blah. And the people that are dying in hospital of COVID today are mostly... People are unvaccinated, uh, yeah. Unvaccinated. Um, and that's you know and actually you would expect with the high proportion of vaccinations that that we have you'd expect statistically that most people that are dying would be vaccinated because you know a flu of whatever yeah viruses that are going around there's there is a proportion of people that will die right that's yeah just, yeah you can't eradicate that and you would expect it to be vaccinated people because so many people have been vaccinated and the fact that it isn't really shows yeah, absolutely. that it's absolutely, isn't it? uh you know the vaccine is working absolutely in america in the second half of last year they reckon there were 163,000 covid deaths that could have been prevented by vaccination that's nearly double the american deaths uh than from wars in korea vietnam afghanistan and iraq combined so that is terrifying if you think about that yeah, yeah. really scary yeah. so really scary and you know i i saw an interview yesterday in i can't remember it might be on the bbc website with a paramedic who who had reviews vaccination and, uh, you know, was... Uh, and they were talking about the compulsory yeah. vaccination for NHS frontline workers, which is a whole other debate, really. Yeah. Um, but I'm so surprised by medical practitioners that won't get vaccinated. You know, and he said, oh, by, by not being vaccinated, I'm 100%... He said, I'm 100% protected against the side effects of the vaccine. And I just thought that <laughs> is such simple maths. How are you not getting yeah, it? Yeah. The, the, the numbers of people... Of, affected by side effects to a really detriment like yes there were side effects i felt fluey for a day and had a sore arm like yeah. that doesn't count that's okay that's worth it is taking worth it. that it's on a, the, the chin. odds are worth it yeah um you know the people that are actually suffering really badly with side effects are so minimal compared to the people dying of covid you're like how how are you not seeing this i know there's so max, many people with sort know? of uh, and, um uh, deathbed sort of regrets and changing their minds oh my it's, god it's tragic Absolutely. it's tragic so um, so we've uh, yeah i think we've i think we've we're, we're, we're in danger of <laughs> spending our, yeah. another half an hour talking about how passionately yeah. we feel about people's need to uh, do the safest thing. I understand fear, though. I do want to say, I understand people are fearful. Yeah. I understand yeah. that. Yeah. And I, you know, I don't automatically go, oh, you're a fucking idiot no. for not getting do you your know vaccine. What? Quite... I do understand that you're fearful, but, you know, 
you just got to sort of treat that fear rather yeah. than... Yeah, do you know what? It's quite a lot of it. Is, is, is the people, somebody's saying to me that a lot of the deaths in hospitals are not the uh, militant anti-vaxxers, it's the chaotic poor. Do you know what I mean? It's the people yeah. who just haven't got their yeah. shit together and who may be yeah. homeless. They might be just uh, living in, you know, not know what day of the week it is. And there's a lot of people, well, a lot more it. people out there that you, than you, like that than you realise. When I'm canvassing for the Labour Party, yeah. it's like you knock on some doors well, and you go, the... fuck, you know, this house is crazy and you know. well, it's people living under the radar is, you know yeah, people yeah. who don't count to to people in charge yeah, and yeah. that's really sad and, and they're just not accessible they're you yeah, know if you're yeah. sofa surfing or yeah. you're living in temporary accommodation you're yeah. not getting followed up on yeah so new, new york they're offering a hundred dollars to people to get their vaccination suddenly it's like i think it's probably targeting those sort of people who go over well, that that they hear and they go that could really change yeah. my change my week you know to get a hundred dollars so but anyway people get your jabs yeah. Check yeah. check what your parents and grandparents are reading on Facebook. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> it, don't try horse medicine or anything like that. Don't let yeah. them watch Fox News or GB News or whatever. Uh, yeah. And if you do find any old smallpox scabs in your library book, yes, just stay away from Clapham or Brighton where we are, please. We'd, we'd <laughs> appreciate it. A few weeks till the threats pass. <laughs> we, you know? we, we'd love that. Uh, so there we go the victorian anti-vaxxers campaign was successful it was a successful political campaign and that compulsory vaccination was never attempted again uh i thought it was um uh something i'd never heard about until i got this book out so um yeah thank you um nadia derbach from uh the university of utah who wrote that book we'll see you next week on wearehistory.pod if we're still here <laughs> we are history.pod yeah. one day john one day john you're so what? I'm going to keep working on that who joke, and uh, next week you'll be next going. We'll you'll be it. going. That's funny. Smash that's funny. It. That's funny. That is jokes. So I thought you meant the world organizer, world health organizer. Blah blah. I'll give up. Pete Ethan, John, come on, you can do this. Come on. Right, it's your turn to lead next week, Angela. We'll see what uh, else going on. It is. Um, Brilliant. We'll see you next time at We Are History Pod on Twitter. Uh, I'll just get that in, John. Don't worry, I've got it covered. And <laughs> yeah, well, you sort of did that, but I did it properly. <laughs> and, um, we'll see you next. See time. you next week, everyone. Uh, Bye. I'm waving. Why am I waving? They can't see me. Bye. Bye.